Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price, and today's episode is a good one. We are going to run through the NFL Combine preview while I give my top positional rankings for the NFL draft. We got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, defensive backs, and edge rushers. I'm going to also list some standouts I think are going to do real good this weekend, as well as get a lot off my chest about the Lakers and what I think is the problem right now, and say something that might anger a few Lakers fans, or just NBA fans in general. It's a good one, but first, a word from our sponsors. So diving right into the position-by-positional rankings, I'm going to go back end of defense up to the most important position in the game on offense, quarterback. So I'm going to start right at defensive backs with my top three defensive backs. Number three, DeAndre Baker, cornerback, Georgia. He's an athletic corner, a really fast guy. He's a playmaker, maybe would be an excellent um, special teams guy as well at the next level. Just another trait that provides him more value. He's a fringe first, maybe like a late first, early second. Can really stand out at the combine, and he is my defensive back standout prediction. I think right now it's a two-horse race with the two guys I have at the top two right now. And I think Baker's kind of at the tail end, kind of trying to catch up. And if he could have a really good showing this weekend, which I think he's going to, it would make a statement that, you know, maybe you should look down at me because I am here and I am talented. So number two, I have Byron Murphy, cornerback of Washington. He is a guy I'm real fond of. He reminds me so much of Tredavious White, the cornerback of the Buffalo Bills. He's agile, he's a playmaker, and he is a guy who is going to be real good at the next level. He reminds me a lot of Tredavious because they just have a lot of traits that line up. And, you know, they maybe weren't the biggest touted prospect of their draft classes, but they're still guys who are going to do real good at the next level. And I felt that way about Tredavious, and I feel that way about Byron, so I'm kind of matching them up together in that comparison but number one the guy who has driven himself farther and farther from Murphy and Baker and as long as he has a pretty good showing this weekend he's likely to be the first defensive back off the board and that is Greedy Williams the corner out of LSU Greedy has been a guy I've had my eye on since he was in high school he's a talented prospect And one of the guys, I think, who will do the best at the next level. He reminds me so much, as a Jets fan, of Darrell Rivas. He is a very confident and, not cocky, confident, and backs it up player. He is a ball hawk. He is a playmaker and a guy who is going to do real well at the next level. He can keep up with a lot of the athletic receivers, so can Murphy and Baker. But Greedy can keep up with the guys like Edelman, with the guys like um, AB, who are maybe more crisp route runners, whereas Murphy and Baker are going to be able to keep up with a lot of the Tyreek Hills and those kind of guys, the burners. Maybe Greedy won't do as well against guys like Tyreek, but he's going to do really well against the number one types, which makes me believe he's going to project as a number one corner at the next level. I have a lot of high hopes for Greedy, and I think he's going to do real well at the next level. So next, diving into linebackers. Number three, I have Mac Wilson, the linebacker out of Alabama. He's a guy who was coached by Nick Saban this past few years, 
and a guy I'm real fond of. I think he's going to do real well at the next level. A dream fit for me for him would be Bill Belichick in New England. It would be going from maybe the best college coach to the best pro coach, and it's just a transition that makes a lot of sense to me, and I really hope the New England Patriots grab him. But either way, he's a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level. He is a coming from a pro-style defense in Alabama where he will be able to keep up with where the game's heading and not where it already is. He's a talented linebacker, and I see bright things in his future. However, he has not matched up as well with the top two guys in this class. To me, it is a big separation between all three of these guys. So number two to me is Devin Bush, corner, or not corner, sorry, linebacker of Michigan. He is a leader, um, athletic, uh, high football IQ. Those are the three best traits about him. I think he's going to do real well at the next level. I think he needs some tinkering, and this is not a knack on him. I think when he gets to the next level, he needs a coach who is going to a really good linebacker coach, someone who's been there before, like a former player coach, someone who can say, like, all right, relax, this is what you have to do, um, and a really strong-minded coach like a Jim Harbaugh type, how he had in Michigan. I think he's going to do real well at the next level. I think he needs a little bit of coaching up, but I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. But my number one linebacker is Devin White out of LSU. Two LSU guys in a row. Greedy and Devin were a nightmare for guys the past couple years, along with Grant Delpit, who's coming out next year, who is likely to be a top pick. White is the most athletic, most coverage built, and most talented to me, linebacker, you know, inside, before I hit the edge guys in a little bit, prospect in this draft. He is going to be real good at the next level, likely to be a top 10 pick. That might be a little bold to say because of the quarterback run. He may fall a little. I personally think talent-wise, he is a top 10 kind of player. I project big things for him at the next level, and I'm really confident in what he's going to bring to a team at the next level. So the big kahuna in this draft class is the edge rushers. They say this is one of the most loaded edge rushing class talent-wise in a long time. And I have five guys here who maybe my front four are guys I definitely think are going to stay where they're at right now. Number five is kind of thrown in the air. So instead of going with the common pick at number five, I have a guy who maybe he's an inside linebacker type, maybe an outside type, but a guy overall I think is really good and not getting all the credit he deserves. Chase Winovich out of Michigan. I know this is a kind of bold one. He reminds me so much of Clay Matthews. He's a strong leader, high football IQ, and really loves the game. And I think he's going to do real well at the next level, and I see big things for him. Number four for me is Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. He is a guy who has a very, um, I don't know how to word it. He's what he is. Uh, I think he's not going to get as m- much better from here. I really don't know how to word this. I just think what he is is what he's going to bring to the table at the next level. I don't think he's going to be like one of those guys like the front three who you could really build into something else. And I hope he proves me wrong because I really like his game and I really think he's going to do well at the next level. With that said, however, I think he is a little far off of the front three in this class. Who are? Number three, I have Rashawn Gary of Michigan. A guy I really like, personally. I think he is a guy who didn't get his fair share at um, college, 
you know, whatever issues he had. He needs more refining and tinkering with his game. But to me, he reminds me a lot of Cameron Jordan of the Saints. And he's a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level. He's likely going to be a top pick, and I'm really confident in what he brings to the table. Number two for me is one of the best defensive players in this draft, who I think is my prediction for the linebacker standout of the weekend. Him and Rashawn Gary, I think, are going to do real well, and that is Josh Allen of Kentucky. Look for him to do big things. I like him a lot. He's athletic. The only knack on him is he's not as big as the number one guy who is Nick Boza. Boza and Allen are real different. Allen is more of the athletic, can be coverage, can be whatever you need him to be, and do it well. Boza is a pure edge rusher and a guy I really think is like Miles Garrett. But I think in this class, there's three clear-cut guys, Allen, Boza, Williams. I'll talk about Quentin Williams in a second out of Alabama. But I think right now, Boza's one. Allen, Williams are kind of tied for two. But I think Allen could jump Boza with a really, really, really good combine. And I think he's going to have that. Now, on to defensive line since we just touched on Williams. Number three is kind of up in the air for me, but I like Christian Wilkins of Clemson. I'm kind of going to start moving fast here because this is more of the players I don't really need to detail bigger names. Number two, Ed Oliver. Only knack on him and why he's not number one, I think, and maybe the most talented player in this class is lack of competition. The only thing I will say is the stats aren't crazy because he was double teamed a lot because he was Houston's main kind of athletic defensive player. He's a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level and honestly a diamond in the rough candidate to me, even though he's probably going to be a top pick and a guy I really think is going to have a great combine. I look for big things for him, and hopefully he can maybe crack into that top four of Williams, Boza, Allen, which leads me to my number one defensive lineman, who is Quinnen Williams of Bama. He is, the best way to describe him is slippery. He can slip through the offensive line, and he is a guy I really think is going to do well at the next level, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. And he's an athletic defensive lineman, which is, you know, becoming more of the mold and overall, I just really like what he brings to the table. So that's it for defense. We're going to take a short break, and then I'm going to dive into the offensive side. So diving into my offensive rankings, I'll start with the offensive line. The big guys up front, there's five guys I think have separated themselves already from the rest of the pack, but this is a really, really deep offensive line class. Other than edge rushers, this is maybe the most talented position group in this class. I really think they are... Five guys who are really talented that I picked out, but there's still a lot more talent in this class. So with that said, number five to me was Jawan Taylor of Florida. He is a athletic offensive lineman, still bigger built, and a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level. Maybe to me projects as a right tackle kind of fit, and that's not a knack that he can't protect the blind side. I just think he is maybe not the... Um, I'm going to say this. He is not as athletic as some of the guys I will have higher up, but I still think he's going to do real well at the next level. Number four is a interior offensive lineman and a center, Garrett Bradbury of NC State. He's real talented and a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level. He's athletic and he is a really good center. Number three for me is kind of maybe my underrated favorite offensive lineman in this class, a guy I think, other than Garrett Bradbury, who I just mentioned, is going to do real well at the Combine, is Cody Ford of 
Ole Miss, or sorry, Oklahoma. He is really talented, reminds me a lot of Jason Peters. Their traits are real similar, so if you want to get more of an idea of what I'm talking about, just look up what Jason Peters brings to the table on highlight reels, etc. He is a guy I really think is going to do well at the next level. As I've been saying, these are my top guys are all guys I will am willing to attach my name to and see they do well at the next level. Number two is a pretty interesting one. Andre Dillard of Washington State. I don't know a lot about him, but he's burst on the scenes the last couple weeks. He used to be a quarterback. And, yeah, I know quarterbacks, offensive linemen, is a weird transition. He's athletic, and he's probably the best pass protector in this class. He's slowly sneaking up the board, and a guy I think is going to do well at the combine and could really push for this top spot in the draft offensive lineman. He is athletic and a guy I'm fond of who I'm just starting to hear about. Number one for me, though, still, Jonah Williams, Alabama. He could be interior. He could be outside. He brings a lot to the table, kind of a Quentin Wilson or Quentin Nelson type, a guy who went to Indianapolis last year and was a top pick. He's a guy who brings a lot of opportunity for a team. You could put him wherever you want, mold him, and he is going to be a talented player. He is a very aggressive blocker and a guy who will not take any prisoners at the next level and a guy I'm excited to see tear it up. Now moving to tight ends. I didn't dive in as deep as I will later on post-combine, obviously for a lot of these rankings and go top five. I did top three or top five if it's a deeper class. For three guys though here that I think are going to do really well and I'm willing to attach my name to are Isaac Nauta of Georgia. I think he's Evan Ingram 2.0. He's a really crisp route runner. Maybe he needs to improve on the blocking a little, but I'm curious to see how he does in the blocking drill of the combine. Number two for me is TJ Hawkinson of Iowa. Keep in mind that Iowa name when I give you my number one guy. Hawkinson is a lot of guys' number ones. To me, he's a really good blocking tight end. Maybe not athletic as number one, and I like with the way the game's heading and more athletic and still a good pass blocking type as I'm going to put at number one. Not a knack on him, though. I'm curious to see how he's going to do in the receiving drills at the Combine. But number one for me is Noah Fant. He is the most athletic tight end to me in this class. He's a really good pass catcher and a really good blocker. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good tight end at the next level, and I think he's going to do big things at the Combine. So now transitioning into the other pass catchers, wide receivers. This is a loaded class as well, so there's going to be another five guys listed here. I'm going to kind of go rapid fire with this one. My first, or my bottom three, I guess, five, four, and three. Number five, Debu Samuel. Number four, Nikhil Harry. And number three, Marquise Brown. For Debu Samuel, he's a playmaker. He's a guy who had a really good senior ball and kind of bumped A.J. Brown out of this position to me and Hakeem Butler. I think those two are my honorable mentions, I guess. But Debu Samuel had a really good showing at the senior ball, and I don't expect anything less at the combine. He's a guy I think is going to do real well. Number four, Nikhil Harry. He is a potential wide receiver one type and a guy I think is getting severely underrated. He's a guy I think is going to do real well at the next level as a wide receiver one type. He reminds me a lot of Julio Jones. That's a big comparison to make, but I think he can do it. Number three for me is Marquise Brown, mainly because he's injured and I'm not going to get to see him at the combine. He has lightning fast speed, really good hands, a little on the shorter side, that doesn't really matter. Reminds me so much of Tyreek Hill. If you just watch Tyreek Hill and watch Marquise Brown, you look like you're watching the same person. 
Number two for me is Kelvin Harmon of NC State. Harmon is an athletic, speedy, big body type receiver. Reminds me a lot of Alshon Jeffrey, a red zone threat kind of guy who can go up and get it. He is a guy who's going to impress at the combine to me. He's my other prediction other than Debu Samuel for guys who are going to do real well this weekend. Number one, though, DK Metcalf, Old Miss. He is the number one in this class to me because he reminds me a lot of Josh Gordon without the off-the-field issues. If he can stay clean and do what Josh Gordon did, this would be the what could have been for Josh. I think Metcalf is really talented and is going to do big things at the next level. Now transitioning into running backs, number five, I have Bryce Love. Questionable number five because of the injuries, and he's going to be limited at the combine. Number four, I have Benny Snell, Kentucky. He's really talented, a guy who's going to get a little underrated and maybe highly rated in mind versus some of the other analysts. Number three, I have Damian Harris of Alabama, a guy who I could think could get pushed out of this spot if he doesn't have a really good showing this weekend. Number two to me is my guy I really like the most of these running backs in this class out of Florida Atlantic University, Devin Singletary under a Lane Kiffin offense, maybe a more pro-style offense, a guy who doesn't have a lot of wear and tear and is going to do to me big things. Number one, Josh Jacobs, Alvin Kamara 2.0, athletic, good pass catcher out of the backfield, doesn't have as much wear and tear as Damon Harris at Alabama, and Alvin and him both have the Alabama trait in common, pass catching, speed, and not a lot of wear and tear. He's a guy I think is going to translate real well at the next level. And now to quarterbacks. Number five, Will Greer, West Virginia. Number five is kind of up in the air, but Greer to me makes the most sense. He is a pro-style quarterback who, you know, got into some trouble off the field, but that doesn't mean anything because he's still talented. I think he is underrated, but maybe could be properly rated after this weekend. I don't know how good he's going to do. Just because I think the other four or four guys I have and then a couple of the other guys who aren't in my list are going to outperform him. And that's not a knack on Will Greer, but he's got to get his stuff together off the field before I can put him higher. Number four, and maybe my dark horse of these top four quarterbacks, is Daniel Jones of Duke. He reminds me a lot of Eli Manning, you know, the way they talk, their football IQ and the way they play. Look out for him. Maybe a Mitch Trubisky, Eli Manning type at the next level. Number three, I'm up in the air on this top three, so if I switch my opinions midway through, my rankings are staying the same, though. Number three, I have Drew Locke of Missouri. I think he's really talented. I don't know how well he's going to do against pro-style defenses which, because he faced Alabama and didn't do great. But maybe he will succeed more at the next level with more targets and weapons than he had at Missouri. I do think he is athletic and has a big arm and reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. I hope he does really well at the Combine because he is my standout prediction. I think he's going to have a showing like Allen at a time where Haskins and Murray are starting to separate themselves in the media as the front two guys in this class. Locke is going to throw his name right back into it. That's my big prediction of the weekend. Number two for me is Kyler Murray of Oklahoma. Everyone knows who this guy is. He's got a great arm. He's got great speed. Everything you'd want at the next level except size. I think how he measures in is one of the biggest storylines of the combine, how big his hands are, how tall he is when they really look at him. 
I'm curious to see how that goes, but still, even if he measures in at six foot for some crazy reason, number one to me is Dwayne Haskins. He is a pocket passer, big built type, reminds me a lot of Jameis Winston, and maybe doesn't have the accuracy that Kyler has, but he has the big playability, the big arm, maybe not as big as Drew Locke, but he falls right in the middle, and it's a happy medium that propelled him to number one to me. So there's my position-by-position rankings. Obviously, this is pre-combine. This is pre-getting to see what they do in front of scouts and specific drills and at their pro days. This is going to change a lot post-combine, post-major pro days. I'm going to release another one, and I'm going to have mock drafts. But so far, this is where I stand with the NFL draft prospects. After a quick break from the sponsors, I'll be back to give you my big Laker opinion to close out the show. So here it is, my big take about the Lakers. I think Lakers for 2018-19 specifically would have been better off without LeBron and keeping Julius Randle. Because through 60 games last year, the Lakers were 26-34. and 34. Through 60 games this year, they are 29-31. and 31. They are without their, one of their main players last year, Julius Randle, who averaged 16.1 points per game, 2.6 assists, and 8 rebounds per game. This year with New Orleans Pelicans, he has 20.1 points per game, 3.0 assists, and 9 rebounds per game. So he's taken a significant step up. That's barring what other sideshow stuff's happened in New Orleans with Anthony Davis. He's still taken a big jump. As well as Brandon Ingram with the Lakers, Zoe before he got hurt, and Kyle Kuzma. They gelled together because they developed together, and they played a certain way. With that said, LeBron is elite. So the first thing I'm not going to try to say here is that there wouldn't have been growing pains even with the four of them still together for another year. But it's much more with LeBron because he plays a certain style where he can play all over the court. He is talented and he's arguably the greatest of all time. So gelling with him for three young players is very difficult, especially gelling with the fact that he brought in his own guys. You got Javal McGee, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, etc. on this team, Rajon Rondo. All guys who they were not used to playing with. So there was dissension. But 29-31 and 31 for a LeBron team at the All-Star Bank is not normal. So there's obviously a root to the problem here. Is it because it's LeBron and not someone else and not the core from last year? Or is it the coach? I think it's a little bit of both. I think the growing pains with LeBron will be gone next year once they get another star, which I think they will. Even though he's 34, he's still LeBron James. For two years to play with LeBron James, a young star would easily want to do that. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think LeBron's going to get a star with him, and that's what's going to elevate them more next year. But they're going to be with a different coach next year, because let's face the fact, whether they make it or miss it, LeBron wants him gone. Magic wants him gone. Rob Palenka, the GM, wants him gone. The only one who wants him to stay is Jeannie Buss because she's the only one who promised him he'd stay for the long haul. It's Luke Walton, honestly. The minutes, the system, his game planning is just not good. He's an assistant coach at best, but he'll get a shot somewhere else in a smaller market, and I wish him nothing but the best because he's a guy I thought was going to be one of the best coaches in the league for the long haul. He just didn't fit in... LeBron's picture and what this team is going to be for the next three years with LeBron. Maybe with the old core and the way they played, Walton would have been good. But the way he's managed minutes with LeBron and the others here, it's just not been good. 
and I could play the what if game forever with what if Julius Randle was still here? What if D'Angelo Russell was still here? The fact is, there's a strong case that could be made that the Lakers would have been better this year without LeBron. But for the long haul, I want LeBron here. He's the best player in the world. Whether you want to take knacks at him for the negative attention he's brought to the Lakers right now, he's still the best player in the world. He's still 34. He's still got probably, with LeBron, probably four or five years left of great ball. He's going to be a big draw for stars to come here. And once they get through the growing pains, this is a good team. And I'm confident LeBron's going to do well. So I don't want to take this and get it my words twisted. This isn't a shot at LeBron. He's going to do well. I'm excited for the future in L.A. Despite all the trials um, right now, there's going to be triumphs soon. Not to be cheesy. I just think the biggest problem The biggest Laker problem is Luke Walton, and when he is gone, and with this core has gelled with LeBron, and star or not, I think next year will be a lot better for the Lakers. But you can always make the case that they would have been better without LeBron. But I think the Lakers have a bright future, and it's time to stop playing the what-if game watch them play basketball, and hope as a Laker fan that they make the playoffs. So this has been my freezing cold take, and it is that the Lakers would have been better off this year without LeBron, but for the future, LeBron is the bright option, and that Luke Walton will be gone from L.A. after this season. So that is it. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ambitious. This Saturday, one of the biggest interviews I've ever done with one of the best athletes I've ever talked to. It is a great one. I'm going to be posting hints throughout the week on at Ambitious on Instagram. So check that out. It's actually at Ambitious Podcast to be specific. It's a really good episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it on Saturday. I hope you enjoyed the rankings. I hope you enjoyed my little Lakers rant. And I'll see you back here next Saturday. And remember, you can listen to Ambitious wherever you listen to your podcast. Have a good one, and I'll see you guys soon.